Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Oh, I'm excited. You excited? Why are you excited? I'm excited we're going to have a very, uh, uh, I guess, I guess, philosophical, very informed, very intelligent discussion today. Putting a little bit of pressure on our guests. And on me. Okay. I, I really <laughs> felt like dumbing it up this time. and just. Uh, but uh, now, David, who are our guests? Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Jim Bruce and Tom Griffin, co-hosts and co-co-host of the Paul Goble Show podcast. After the introduction, I thought for a moment you had other guests. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I'm, I'm frightened now. Because dumbing it up is kind of our specialty. Yeah. Now, David, you left out a very notable credit. They are also, of course, the co-hosts of Stealing God. That's true. Yes, the runaway success. Absolutely. A, a podcast. podcast which might actually exist. <laughs> yeah. <not> quite certain. <laughs> I'll, I'll, just for fun, here's a quick background on that. We started to do the podcast, and we were well-equipped to express informed opinions, not well-equipped to get them to upload properly. <laughs> and then suddenly, magically, I got some email that, because like, what would happen is we'd, we'd, we'd made like seven episodes. And I was feeling good about them, but was nobody was getting them, and everybody was always getting the first episode. Mm-hmm. And then somebody, I don't remember who it was, was it one of you guys? Yeah. It was me. Said, hey, there's more episodes. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> there's suddenly people could, so I'm at, we're, we're toying with the idea of relaunching. Yeah. But there's a part of me that says if we relaunch, we'll just call it something else and start fresh. And Stealing God will just be out there as like a like a podcast mini series. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it's just kind of a mystery. It's just... <laughs> well, we do I'm, we I'm... our podcast just like they do the BBC about seven episodes. <laughs> right. And... Right. <laughs> you you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, right? Completely. You just oh yeah. It would just be filler after that. Exactly. There's no need to explore these characters yeah, I, any further. <laughs> I I think we've firmly settled all arguments about religion. <laughs> okay. I thought you said I think we've firmly settled. Well, I thought that was going to be the end of your <laughs> sentence. <laughs> kind of should, yeah. 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 All right. Now so listen, before things get too far out of hand, right, right, we, we're spiraling out of control here. <laughs> uh, we do want to talk about the donation drive. Yes, this is the this is the last week. It's yeah. yeah you have to depending on when you're listening. If you're listening to this after April 30th, it is too late. It's too late. You have blown it, Mister. You should, <laughs> um, I don't know why you got to go all go all full house about it. <laughs> Cut it, cut, cut it out. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, what did you do? We we have some awesome prize packages uh, set up. We've got uh, one that's all CDs, one that's all DVDs, one that's all Battleship Pretension merch. Yeah. Um, and what you do you, if you donate b- before midnight on April thirtieth? Yeah. You donate. Uh, Let's go midnight uh, Pacific time so that it it can be three a.m. on May first uh, on the East Coast. Yeah. Okay. Give them uh, a little, uh, you know, cut them some slack. Okay. Um, anyway, you donate, you donate $5 at least by that time, whatever time that is in your time zone. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to derail you, David. And, and your name gets, gets put into, into, the, into the pot, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if you do the donation subscription, yeah. which is you set up through PayPal, you know, credit card number, bank account, yeah. PayPal account. What happened? doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Set it up for a year, once a month. That's twelve months in a row. Yeah, this is, this is in a row. These yeah. are consecutive months. Oh, jeez! For no. twelve consecutive months, I'm two dollars will be taken out of your account. 
Yeah. You won't even feel it. You won't even feel it. And if you do that, your name gets entered twice. Twice. Doubling your chances to win these fabulous prizes. Let's talk about the prizes real quick. Let's okay. Talk about, let's talk about the CD package. The CD package. Oh, we've my got, gosh, we've got, we've got uh, the EP by Don't Stop or, you'll or, or, or We'll Die, yeah. which features front of the show Paul Rust. That's right. Uh, we've got Jackie Cajun CD. Yeah. It we've is never a, going to be bread. It's never going to be bread. We've got uh, Graham Elwood CD. The comedian's got a boo-boo. Yes. Yeah. we got uh, Kyle Kinane's Death of a Par- uh, Death of the Party uh, signed. Uh, Jackie Cajun's is also signed, by right. the way. And then we have Sean Cullen's I Am a Human Man. There you go. That's what you can win for a mere five bucks or $24 that you won't even feel. Ring, you won't even feel. Um <laughs> The the DVD package. Yeah. What do we have? We've got we've got Fantastic Four: The Rise of the Silver Surfer, uh, Surfer autographed by Doug Jones, who played, who played the Silver, the Silver Surfer. Surfer. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon, autographed by Nathan Basil, who played Leslie Vernon. That's right. We've got um, the complete season one of Pinky and the Brain. That's right. It is not signed. Not signed. I'm <laughs> doing what I can though. We're gonna <laughs> see. What, we are gonna see what we can do about getting Maurice Lamarck to sign it. Right. Can I ask you a quick question? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, one was a genius, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Qu- I think the other one, he was okay. Yeah, the I other one was, was fine. One, yeah. one was a genius, and the other's the brain. Was that? <laughs> R- yeah, something like yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I know you're like setting something up there, and I oh, okay. not remember the, the lyrics. We'll talk about it after the show. <laughs> um, and then the 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 last the last thing is a, a signed copy of uh, the Academy Award nominated uh, short film Kavi, uh, signed by uh, director Greg Helvey, friend of the show, friend yeah. of the show. And then the third one is a grab bag of whatever shit we want to give you that has our logo on it. You know, I've actually gotten compliments on our merchandise that it's very comfortable. The logo looks really good. Uh, it doesn't look cheap. And uh, no, I'm actually excited about this. More excited than the last round. I'll tell you why. Why is that? Because, okay, we've got, your, we've got the You'll Get Yours Gambin t-shirt. Right. Which is a, a reference to something that, that Tyler has said. Yes. But we're, gonna, we're offering now. Yeah. David Bax's trademarked catchphrase, yeah. let's get into it, shall we, on a T-shirt. We really need to design that shirt so that by the time this goes up, we will actually be offering it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good call. Okay. Well, listen, uh, Jim and Tom, thanks for sitting through that. Yeah, yeah. Sure, absolutely. Those <laughs> um, oh, sound like good prizes, right? Yeah, yeah they yeah. do. And I was inspired as I was listening to you. I was like thinking about your T-shirts and catchphrases, and I was like, we could have a T-shirt that would just have the one catchphrase, the sign. Oh, yeah, it would. <laughs> For those who don't know, can I? Do you want them to listen to the show, or can I say what? The oh, catchphrase? you can go ahead and say what the catchphrase. The, the, is. the catchphrase, the sign-off for every episode of the Paul Global Show, almost yeah. two, almost two hundred at this point, is uh, "Go fuck yourself." Yeah. yeah. We, by the way, now have we're offering a prize for like people who get the trivia question. You can, you know, we always at, we do a trivia question because mm-hmm. that's pretty unique. I don't think anybody else does trivia, <laughs> uh, but you get a prize of like a CD or whatever. But the new prize, because we have longtime listeners who keep winning, mm. there's nothing left to get them. Right. You can request a go fuck yourself shout out. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> and what we'll specifically rec- have a. For you, mm-hmm. you'd call up, you'd say, you won, and you'd say, have me specifically go fuck myself, and Paul will give you the shout out. <laughs> right. uh, I think of it as our... our or you can dedicate it to someone else. Sure. <laughs> oh, it's like our it. no prize is what I think of it as, our version of a no prize. It's really not a good prize. <laughs> no, it's it's delightful. I mean, David and I, we've been on the show, and we've been told to go fuck ourselves, and it's, it's everything... Uh, Everything you could hope it you'd hope it would be. <laughs> it it does very very much suit Paul. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! It's very much Paul's personality. Absolutely, we've got a few catchphrases on this show, David. Do we? Yeah, we got yours. Well, we got the whole opening thing, 
We've got let's get into it, shall we? And then I guess our sign-off line has become uh, we'll get you next time, uh, right. which was just me. But again, that's just something, that's the way you talk. Yeah. 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 Now, before we do get into it. Okay. Let's, let's get to know our guests. Okay, now we do have another announcement, but we can't get too specific about it. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, uh, this is the wrong episode it's to have fine. you. Fine, you're in. A, <laughs> it you might caught be us perfect. In a, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, David, round two, we've got another live show coming up. That's right. So that's right. We um, uh, June fifth at Meltdown Comics. Yep. Uh, at, at 8 p.m. That's a Saturday at yeah. 8 p.m. Apparently, that's the spot to do your live podcast. It sure is. Yeah, because... Uh, we'll be there this Sunday. They're doing that's it right. on Sunday, the, the 25th, which means you probably missed it since that's what day this episode will go up. Maybe we can put it up early. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, never mind. I guess you missed it. You know, let's put it up two days late. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I got a busy weekend ahead of me. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Packing. I'm oh, moving. right. Plus, you got to oh, put up right. this podcast. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's a <laughs> full slate. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to attend the Meltdown Comics That's right. podcast. Yeah, we'll absolutely be there. The uh, the Paul Goble Show podcast. Indeed. But yeah, we're doing ours June 5th, 8 p.m., five bucks, free beer. Yeah. Um, I don't want to jinx anything by announcing the guest. We have people who say they're confirmed, but this happened last time, too. Absolutely. But here's the thing. So we got f- we got four confirmations. But Four, two of them are shaky. Two of them are shaky. So do you want to announce it anyway and just hope against hope that it all works out and then have people disappointed? Or do you just want to like wait another week or two let's, and then announce wait. the lineup? Okay. Let's wait. Because I don't want to feel like uh, I'm putting pressure on the people who said they might do it Indeed. to go ahead Indeed. and do it. Okay. Well, uh, rest assured, if everything works out... It's a great lineup. Yeah, June fifth. If you yeah, come come out to Los Angeles. Yeah. And if not, you guys are awesome, so that'll be oh. a good show. Uh, um, <laughs> did know. you listen to you you didn't see our last show. David and I were not uh not awesome. Did not we did not do well. No, we did fine. We did um, fine. So talk about your guys' live show. Plug that. Uh, yeah. uh because I, I yeah, I'll, I'll put this up for you. Okay, <laughs> I was joking. Right. Dave Keckner. Yeah. Right? That's Hilarious. one of our guests. Yeah. Who else is with us, uh, Tom? Ricky Lindo. Right? Ricky Lindholm, uh, one half of uh, Garfunkel and Gar- Oates. Yep. Also and she was just on House, by the way, so of course you know I'm ape shit about the fact right. that she's <laughs> going to be there. She's also and in My Best Friend's Girl, starring Dane Cook. I'm le- Yeah. So there's that. And Mike <laughs> yep. Schmidt. And Mike Schmidt, yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I know Paul is trying to secure one more big guest, but it's to the wire, so there's nothing we could announce now as far as like whether or not right. we got it. But, so it could it could just be a, a delightful surprise. Yeah, but I'm already pretty darn happy with the guests that we've got. So yeah. um, I think it's going to be very funny and very charming, and there should be some nice stand up too. I'm excited that some of the you'll get to see some stand up. So yeah, and hey, you know if if he winds up not getting that big guest, David and I will we'll play our part. We'll go in <laughs> and we'll just we'll we'll you know we'll bring some of that battleship pretension magic exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and Lily Von Stupp will be there. Okay. And then, of course, Val Myers, who a lot of L.A. people will know who Val Myers is. She's helping us produce the show. And thank you so much, Val. Mm-hmm. And also, anybody who does know Val, she's doing a little fundraiser for her dog, Scraps, who broke a leg. Oh. So Aww. if you want to donate, go to her Facebook page because Val has been nothing but supportive of so many people's shows. And she's such a lovely girl. And then Scraps, I've met Scraps. Good dog. So you're not donating to like a dick dog. It's a right. nice dog. Well, if she <laughs> promises to post adorable pictures of a dog with a cast on, then I will give her all the money. Absolutely. Done. Yeah. I'll make sure she does it. She, she's really great. She's really just kind of an artsy, hippie girl and just very charming. And, mm. 
And we should mention also that uh, we're going to stream the show. We so are, right. yeah. yeah. In the L.A. area. Uh, uh, we can, you can find us on Ustream. And um, audio or, or video or both? Uh, well, I believe the video both. For wow. st- video for the nice. streaming. What's going to happen is we're, we're going to stream it live video. And then for the official date of the 200th episode, an audio file will post of the show. So you will have many, many ways to enjoy or be disappointed by this show, yeah. depending on <laughs> so how it goes. So even if listening to this, you have missed the live show, it will be in the podcast feed. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah we're checking. And for a change, this particular one, we're not recording on our little dingus thing. It's actually being recorded professionally. So <laughs> Lily Von Stupp is going to be doing that for us. And so, and if, eh, boy, and then Lily Von Stupp is a pretty hot lady herself. She's a, <laughs> uh, a burlesque dancer. Yeah. 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 And the producer of the forty-year-old forty-year-old boy, boy podcast, yeah, which you can hear her laugh, yeah, on that, right. So, so, yeah. all right, all right. For those still listening, let's get to know. Well, where. that's me. I'm out. <laughs> I stopped listening. Well, pretty much through the intro. <laughs> uh, let's get to know our guests. You guys are friends of Paul Goebel. <laughs> which, <laughs> True. That's how I know. Well, is anyone really a friend of Paul Goebel? <laughs> no, that's how I came to know who you are. That's right. True. Um, but you're also, uh, um, we mentioned, I guess, before we started recording, we were talk- you, you were talking about Trouser Shock. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to lead you too much. Just t- talk about uh, who you I'll, are and what I'll Trouser give you some of the hit points. Hit points. How many hit points do I have, Tom? Uh, 3D6. <laughs> nice. Not, that's not so right for me. Um, yeah, we were in Trouser Shock, which was actually on Fuel Television on a show called Stupid Face. Mm-hmm. Hey, and if you're a fan of terrible television, um, uh, I've <laughs> also... the show Zaljanon also made some Yeah, some that's right. For... That thing had some funny bits to it. It was just poorly... Well, anyway. And I was very, very briefly on the, the second season. Oh, really? Very I, cool. Zaljanon did a whole thing. It was a video. It was, uh... The sketch was that it was like an infomercial for a video, like a like a backyard wrestling or whatever. But it was just people headbutting each other. Right, <laughs> it was the whole video. And so he had he just took a shot of me pretending to headbutt uh, Danforth Danforth France. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm in it for like half a second. And uh, my other my other big credits. Well, I'm a stand up comic, but I've worked with Mr. Weird Al Yankovic. All right. I was on Al TV. The best part about that, I, I did a funny little bit, whatever. Al TV was a thing where he'd take over MTV. Mm-hmm. The best part for me was that when I was watching it, I got a phone call, and it was Al hmm. calling me <laughs> at my home going, hey, are you watching? Well, of course I'm watching. Look how funny you are. And he was being sincere. Nice. I was just like, awesome. oh, what a just kind of a regular guy thing to do. And he was there with Judy Tenuta, who I've worked with, who never remembers who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, and not because she's mean, but it's just because she's nuts. I was in a movie with her, and uh, I saw her later. And I had a small part in the movie, but a, f- a part that actually got mentioned in the Playboy interview, or a mm-hmm. review of the movie called Desperation Boulevard. And I saw her once, and I go, and I went, hey, Judy. And she goes, oh, hey, we worked together. And I went, yeah, the movie. And she goes, right, you're the director. <laughs> like, no, no, Judy, no, no, but... Let's her speak to just how much of an impact the director made. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is worse for him. I guess. And, Tom, what are what, what else have you done? Uh, this? True, true, true. That's right. And you guys have been on, I mean, Jim, you've been on every episode of the Paul Goble Show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the beginning. From Tom, the very... how many, what, what would you say you're? I have no idea, but. Uh, Over 50%. Um. Yeah, most of the second year. Okay. I yeah. would say. 
yeah, he went from being like a sometime guest to being the the third, the second co-host. Yeah, just because I was around. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just because I hang out with Jim and Paul, and it would be like, oh, we're going to do the podcast. You want to be on it? Okay. <laughs> just because well, they they didn't want to seem rude and ask you to leave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you, that's yeah. that's, that's kind of how it it's, it it happened. Yeah, and because I used to live. Nearby Paul, so if, if a guest mm-hmm. had to drop out at the last minute, he'd call me up and say, hey, can you come fill in? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so it sounds like, you know, you, you said, well, this Paul Goebel show, it's going through the roof. I got to hitch my wagon to this shooting star, and I'm going to be, when people think Paul Goebel, they will think Jim Bruce. And when they think Jim Bruce, they'll <laughs> think Tom Griffin. Yeah, that's my clever, clever plan. And when they think Tom <laughs> Griffin, they'll think, oh, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah. It's not a third guy to think of, right? Yeah. Yeah, originally the show was going to be no guests. Originally the Paul hmm. Goebel show was going to be no guests. It was going to be just me, Paul, and Brian McNett every week just mm-hmm. talking. And then something happened to Brian involving the law, we think. And he was just gone, <laughs> and the show changed immediately. And that was after episode one. <laughs> All and right. Then, and now he's back, and he we've never resolved the mystery of what happened to him because he's pretty tight-lipped about it. But yeah, He's a mysterious guy. Yeah. He's cagey. <laughs> But I'm always looking to see, is he wearing makeup? Does he have a teardrop tattoo? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the T-shirt you guys could make, is just a T-shirt with the name of Brian's podcast on there. Because it's, uh, I guess you can maybe just have some kind of, st- like a sticker thing where it's always different. Do you like that <laughs> shtick, by the way? I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I enjoy I it immensely. I do, too. I think that's pretty charming. <laughs> and so, like, no nickels is in there. And haircuts... Yeah, and uh, variety pickles, peanuts, <laughs> no nickels. These are all haircuts. of Brian's nick- nicknames. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he Brian a- is a, another member of Trouser Shock. Correct, yes. absolutely. Yeah, and we've been uh, and David and I have been on the show uh, with all of with all of you, uh, uh-huh. six people around one mic. That uh, it was uh, actually surprisingly organized given that that situation. But uh, you yeah, know, when, we, when we did it backstage at the uh, at the. The Steve Allen Theater. Yeah. yeah. Which that was one of my favorite, like, that was a holiday episode, of yeah. course. Yeah. Which you guys have been for multiple holidays you've been with us. Yeah. Well, we, well, two. we, rec- we recorded two holidays, but we've been in three holiday episodes because, yeah, because yeah. we re-ran, <laughs> re-ran the, yeah. the Steve Allen Show one. But uh, now, David, what are we, uh, we going to talk about today? That's well, let's my get into question. it, shall we? All right. Um, you talked about the stealing. Oh, now the show started. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he said the catchphrase. Um <laughs> Yeah, you t- t- you mentioned the Stealing God podcast. I sure did. Uh, which was well. Wh- why am I explaining? What did you guys talk about? What ste- exactly? What Stealing? Yeah, God Yeah, I'll, I'll let me say what my inspiration for that, other than to have something that I can't show anyone. Um, <laughs> here's what I've noticed about religion in general. Um, I, I'm a religion has been a significant part of my growth as a human being, and something that I pursued and studied. I pursued it philosophically and i've also just purely intellectually and but one of the things that has been grating to me over the years is the way that people will um co-opt god um from all faiths to justify a lot of things and you know like to buttress political positions that don't really have merit and also just the way it's very easy to insert words into god's mouth it's very easy to say, like, the religious right does it, the religious, the the political left and right do it. Everybody does it to some degree. And what we tried to do with our podcast, the notion was to try to have a reasonable discussion about religion, um, very true. Like, we did a whole episode about abortion, mm-hmm. um, 
but trying to have a very reasoned discussion about what the Bible actually says about it and about what we should think about what the Bible says about it. Given, of course, the caveat that I'm like anybody else, I have an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. I tend to be more liberal. So it doesn't mean that my opinion is not biased. But I think the idea was that when I gave you my opinion, I wasn't suggesting for a second that that was the ironclad final say or that I was speaking for God. Mm-hmm. Hence the title, Stealing God, because it just sort of feels like people take God and say, I'm going to use the umbrella of that. God says this. So even if what I say sounds nuts, you can't call me nuts because I'm talking. I'm talking for God. Mm-hmm. So in, in your well, your religious history, uh, I'm not sure how you were what you were raised, but I know you converted to, to Judaism, Judaism, correct, and not for pussy, not for pussy. <laughs> although <laughs> which, that's a good which reason. Means you meant it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reason. Um, yeah, I started out in a uh, Baptist church. And the way that I got interested in my parents did not go to church. This is how I ended up going to church the first time. A white van when I was like eight years old drove up and they said, hey, kid, you want to go with us? And I said, mom, that's people in a white van. This is absolutely true, by the way. I'll give you some insight into my childhood. Want me to go with them? And she said, sure. And it happened to be to church. I got to imagine when I came home that day, she was like, Church, really? The one white van. That, uh. But I went to bat. I, cho- I chose actively when I was a kid I as a point to say that I've always been a seeker. When I was very little, I wasn't forced to go to church. I went, I want to go. I want to hear what this is about. And so I went to a Baptist church, and there were certain things in it that I eventually was disappointed in. Mm-hmm. I tried a Methodist church. There were things about that that I really, really liked. Uh, eventually, my journey led to Judaism, and mm-hmm. I've been content with that ever since as far as like going yeah you know i have my doubts and but uh as far as self-identifying as a jew it's the like most comfortable i've ever been in my own skin mm-hmm. all right uh tom your what's your religious background I, tom I, rebuttal I, <laughs> I was i was uh raised and educated catholic um uh, but i'm not i'm not religious as an adult no um and like in a, in a sense, I'm I'm I, I'm a lapsed, cap, a lapsed Catholic for the same reason a lot of lapsed Catholics are lapsed Catholics, which is I went to Catholic school, <laughs> but I didn't have I never had a bad experience. I never had a bad experience with the priest. I never had a bad experience with a nun. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, the administration at my school were kind of dumb and, and conservative, but I never had a bad experience with anyone. Ironically, it was kind of the opposite. I had some fairly liberal teachers uh. who who taught me you know uh, you should you should really think for yourself. And really think through your faith and engage for yourself. And I did that and came up with the answer that I don't think this is for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it and it took me a while to admit that to myself, you know, because I was I was and I do have a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect still for the church and for just religion in general, mm. because I come from a, a religious background where I knew a lot of very very good religious people, and my family is still religious. But I, I don't consider myself. Religious. I'm the same way. Where like even though I'm not a uh, a Christian anymore. Um, you know, we have a friend, Eric Bramlett, who listens to our podcast and who we've been friends with forever. And he's a uh, uh, he's a minister mm-hmm. and he teaches music, uh, amongst other things, at his church. And I could not imagine a guy who walks the walk more. So mm-hmm. I come at it as a skeptic in some degree, as a Jew to some degree, but also as a guy who just kind of goes, OK, there's a there's a lot there's a lot more to it than just these people are nuts and these people aren't nuts. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like Tom, you and I have very 
similar backgrounds because I was also I didn't go to Catholic school, but I was mm-hmm. raised Catholic. My family, different parts of my extended family are more Catholic than others, but they're all they're all Catholic. And mm-hmm. I had the same thing where eventually I decided it wasn't for me, but it was a very very long process of most of my like sort of high school years of going right like, like well maybe the pro- maybe the problem is i'm not dedicated enough so i would go like, get really into it and then i would like then i thought oh maybe i'm not supposed to be a catholic so i started going to like my friends like lutheran church with him and and uh had had a long s- struggle because i felt like uh because like you said of all the good people that i know and right, love we're yeah. all especially coming when from you, st and, louis if, missouri if where everyone's catholic if you don't have that traumatic experience experience that some people have where uh-huh. that it pushes you away it can be difficult to disengage yourself from that and it's right. there's there can be some d- guilt involved you know yeah, it's like why, why am i not feeling this why am i not engaged in this and what? then eventually i got to I, I got to a point where i was at church you know i went to a mass because i felt that i should and then and i'm looking around and seeing there are people who want to be here and i'm not one of them and i feel like a fraud uh-huh. I, I shouldn't be here catholic guilt <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard of this thing, <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't that I. It wasn't that I. Uh, like I felt like I was failing. It's like I felt like I don't even understand this anymore. Right. Mm. And it, and then eventually I just went. Oh, okay. Cause it's because I. I don't believe. Hmm. So I just need to accept that. And then it, and then I felt fine. I was like, oh, okay. I just needed to get my head right. around what I was feeling and admit it to myself. Right. So the so that brings us to the topic uh, because this is a movie podcast. Oh uh, yeah, we're going to talk about religion in the movies, the way it's the way it's portrayed and mm-hmm. and, and so forth. I think we planned to do this once before, and we you, you weren't able to have us on before. I'm very excited that you had us on today. Oh no problem, because oh. I like yeah. the topic. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Well, I want to talk about um, just it's, it's you know Tyler is uh, one of my best friends in the world, and I've known him for uh, ten years now. Uh, uh, eleven, I think now. Eleven years now, um, and uh, the fact that Tyler is a is a Christian is a, is a huge part of what he is. But it's not, uh, it's not the only thing that we talk about, you know. And um, I you feel like part that we talk about it a lot. Was that we don't talk about it much? I would say it's uh, right. of all the things about me. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say it's probably the thing we talk about the least. Yeah, I mean, but that's, that's, uh, that's what, but it's still. It's still always present. It's still always a part oh, of yeah, who you yeah. are. Well, that's what I'm saying is it seems like so often in the movies, the the religious character or characters, that's that's the end of their character description. This mm-hmm. is the Christian. This, and I want and it's like funny. Steel Magnolias is a good example. Uh-huh. Um, Daryl Hannah's character in that particular movie is around specifically to be the born again. Mm-hmm. That's a good example of exactly what you're saying because if, if she wasn't that – would she even be a character at all? Although I do think her performance is very good, but yeah, I think you're right. That is often the case that a character is drawn very, very thin uh-huh. uh, in some movies for religion. It's funny, and I want to talk about. Uh, I know again, this is a movie podcast, but I want to talk about the. Uh, I guess it was a made for HBO two part movie thing that Tsunami. Did you guys see that with Chibatelli for? And I'm sorry, uh, I did not. No, but with a name like that, I'm sure it was awesome. <laughs> uh, what is it? It was about the um, Thailand and the actual like. Uh, tsunami that happened in 2004 and tony collette played a character who was there like for relief she was there before it happened uh as part of a part of she was there with her church and stuff and it was amazing it was so refreshing and so much more like tyler and his wife and other friends that i know that uh that 
yeah, she's a, she's a Christian, but it's not she's a, she's a good person, and she has her own uh, political or you know social or philosophical beliefs that mesh with her Christianity, and you know it's not uh, it's 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 an it's an important thing about her without being the only thing about her. Mm-hmm. And that, right. That's just a good example. I was didn't know I was the only one who'd seen it, but uh, you guys should check it out. <laughs> no, no, that's that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll say when I was thinking about the movies that. Uh, a lot of different movies as far as religion and how it's represented. I was thinking about the fact that, man, there's an awful lot of Catholicism in films. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about why that is. Well, like for sure in horror films, you know, because <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a couple of opinions on that. Yeah. Because of possessions are pretty or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That honestly, that I mean, that's a big part of it is that mm-hmm. with there, there's a lot of iconography with Catholicism. It's a very cinematic there. religion. It is. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of symbols, a lot of great, Big old churches. You've got mm. priests and nuns in, in in costumes that you can yeah. put someone in, and you immediately recognize them as a religious mm-hmm. person. It's, it's a just visual it's, religion. It, it is. A, it is. It's a visual religion that looks good on film. Well, dude, that's what I was gonna say because I was thinking about that <laughs> fact that when you're writing a script, one of the easiest things to do is to represent what Catholicism is to some right. degree, even on a very superficial level. You can do it. Right. Whereas, like. If you're just going to like, uh, like if you were going to make a movie about a Taoist, good luck. <laughs> good luck making that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but making the movie about the Catholic or you go, you know what I really want to do? I really want to delve into uh, Unitarianism. No, that's that's a bad movie. It's yeah. a fine religion, but it's a bad movie. Um, as far as like you got to work a lot harder, um, especially horror films. Horror films ca- go Catholic. Because <laughs> you've got you've got possessions, you've got right. like you know bleeding crosses and stuff, and there's things that you can do within that. Like you can go pro Catholic, and it's you're fighting demons. You can just go molesting priest, go that route. You've got mm-hmm. so many directions to go, just from a cinematic standpoint. And Hollywood does often go to that well. I think there's a couple of other things involved with Catholicism too, which makes it attractive as um, a vehicle to tell stories. One. I, the church is very old and has a very long and unbroken history. I mean, the groups have splintered off from it, but the, but the the Catholic Church has a very long history that True. you can trace, and that gives it a certain mystique, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is like an independent entity that is that is that old and that rich and eh, sometimes a little secretive. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell conspiracy theories about the the Catholic Church. You can't do that about like the local non-denominational congregation. <laughs> right. Like you can have a story where the Catholic Church has been secretly funding a line of vampire slayers throughout history. You can't do that about the the Methodist Church. The <laughs> right. The best you can do is you can go and just tell a story about a Methodist picnic where the potato salad was bad. <laughs> we do that. I was uh, I think I there's was, a, oh Oh, the, the, I think another reason you see Catholicism a lot, especially in American film, is that it, the sort of 20th century version of the American dream so often has to do with either the Irish or the Italians or in later parts, the you know, Latin Americans. True, it, mm-hmm. true, it, it's true, true. People, can I? I have, I have one. I have. I just thought of this today um, after I found out what the topic was, and this is maybe a little cracked. But tell me if this is odd. But because the United States is largely a, a, a Protestant nation. Um, although, but Catholics are a very visible population within within uh, mainstream Christianity. I think that maybe it's just familiar enough and still a little exotic that people, even who aren't Catholic, are like they think they know a little bit about it, but they don't know a lot about it. So it seems ripe for 
exploration. I, I think you're probably right. When you think about what a big deal it was when Kennedy got elected, mm-hmm. and that one of the biggest deals about it was that he was Catholic, right? Yeah, I think it's, you're it's absolutely a little bit right. familiar, but a little bit exotic. Yeah, and there does seem to be like with like with Mormons, um, and and like with like say really Orthodox Judaism, there is mystery. There is the like. What do they do? What do these people do? Because you don't necessarily get told. You know what Baptists do. They bother you on Saturday and want to know if you want to go to their church. You know what they do. But <laughs> they, they drive around in white vans. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. <laughs> um, I'll mention one of my favorite movies as far as one that represents Catholicism that also represents Judaism. And I actually like this movie. I want to see if you guys have you guys seen Keeping the Faith. Oh, yeah. Ben Stiller, Ed Norton, Janet Elfman. Mm-hmm. Surpri- I, and I got to imagine that the premise was because it's Ben Stiller and the writer was Jewish, which is a big surprise. Um, <laughs> but I got to imagine that it, the premise almost seems like they, they did, in the very beginning, they went, oh, here's an idea for a movie. A priest and a rabbi go into a, because it seems like it starts from a joke premise. Right. And yet the movie. Go into a karaoke bar. Yeah, exactly. And yet the movie is. Fairly sophisticated. You have mm. seen it. Are you a fan? Yeah, yeah. I I like it. I don't I don't love it. My reasons for for not loving it are mostly just you know the the nature of the the way the story is told. But as far as the I characters and their and their faith, I think it's handled very well. And I think that their struggle with their faith is terribly fascinating because they mm-hmm. represent the problem a lot, I have a, with a lot of movies and the way that they represent religion. As far as like, and I I shouldn't say it's a problem, but the thing that I notice is there's a super it's either the thing that like the faith is glossed over or the movie actually just turns out to be about magic mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it could just be it, religion is just a justification to tell a story about magical things happening i mean it is it is kind of when you when you talk about uh you know stealing god and how it happens a lot politically i think it happens a great deal in film where they have a character that is like evil and crazy or there's a weird magic thing and it's just like ah we need to be how do we sell this ah i've got it the crazy woman in the mist she's a a a radical like a radical pentecostal christian that's and that problem solved yeah and it's just it's almost a you know it's almost more of a device than anything else. yeah it's a way to contextualize the craziness or the whatever or or just make up a crazy amulet and you go that's a crazy christian amulet (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and I don't want it to sound like we're talking the, the whole podcast is just going to be about Christianity because I feel like the voodoo is used the same. Absolutely, you're right. You're right. I get low on my list are some non-Christian movies too, but but I will say that what I one of the things I love is in keeping the faith. Ben Stiller and Ed Norton have a thing for Jenna Elfman because at the time she was young and pretty, and people didn't know she was crazy. Um, so it makes perfect <laughs> sense in the story, but it's a really nice story. And both of them, Ed Norton plays a young. Catholic priest who's mm-hmm. in love with Jenna Elfman. Ben Stiller is a young rabbi who's mm-hmm. in love with Jenna Elfman. And um, of course, you really Ed Norton screwed because he's Catholic. Yeah. His, his his conflict is much more serious. And, I, and I, I'm not sure if I can put my finger on exactly why I feel this way. It may just be because it's a good performance. But I, I really I've I've always bought Ed Norton in that role as a young Catholic. Me too. Priest. He strikes. He seems to me like a young priest. I've known young priests. Yeah. He, he reminds me of people I've known. And and what they are, too, is I think anybody who's uh, has some faith and doesn't always like to be, 
you know, the broad brush you're painted with. The other thing that makes the movie pretty exceptional is that the, both their characters are young guys trying to make a difference in bringing a modern perspective to their respective churches mm-hmm. uh, and synagogues, which is what young people of faith do. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, like, rings true for me. And then, uh, spoiler alert, she hooks up with the Jew, which is kind of <laughs> nice. Um, but, I mean, you know, he's boned. He's either going to stop being a priest or he, or so he's, right. it's a shame for his character. Like, I really felt for him because it is a right. great performance. Mm-hmm. Ed Norton's just awesome. Well, and he directed the film as well, so I think he really. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, Norton, it was, uh, I think it's the only film he's directed, um, and uh, so I think he, I think he saw something in the in the script that really resonated with him, and so I think you'd get a lot of that in the performance as well. Right. If I can, oh, how about we jump to Doubt? Did you guys like Doubt? Uh, did you see it. it? No. I I saw it and I really liked it. I, I thought some of the, from a filmmaking standpoint, it, you know, it was one of my ten favorite movies that year, uh, in spite of certain things where it's like oh look at this crazy camera angle look how clever the writer director thinks he is being Um, but as far as the performances uh, I thought it was really really wonderful because you mentioned um, you know you mentioned uh, like the young priest who's trying to change things and he's coming up against somebody who is significantly more traditional and set in her ways and uh, and then they have this struggle that has nothing to do with that, but maybe it has more to do with that than either character is willing to admit. Yeah, um, it's I, I liked that aspect to it uh, a great deal. Yeah, I, w- I was really I saw that on DVD. I did not see that in a theater, but I mm-hmm. don't lose anything. It's not like you really need to see a Meryl Streep really big, but <laughs> it was a that was a really great film as far as like. And I and I bring them both up kind of in a block because you go one of the keeping the faith really does celebrate faith, mm-hmm. whereas doubt questions it. Yeah. Two different, very different approaches, but I think two very sophisticated scripts, mm-hmm. two very good ways that religion can be treated in yeah. film as opposed to like just, I don't know, de- you know, demons and whatever, which are fun, too. It's not like I don't like those <laughs> movies. I do like when the little girl's possessed. What's the famous one? The Exorcist. The Exorcist. The Exorcist is great. But to pretend that's about Catholicism is silly. Mm. <laughs> uh, it is in as much as it's window dressing. It's it's just uh-huh. like this is yeah, why it's like the most sensationalist no, yeah. elements. It could have. I mean, yeah, that's one where uh, I, I do like The Exorcist, and I like um, you know some of the specificity of the of like the religion and and. Uh, but for the mo- it could have been voodoo. I mean, just as easily. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's odd that we're uh, that we brought up voodoo because I was actually on another podcast and yesterday. You converted to voodooism, absolutely. <laughs> and congratulations, <laughs> by the way. It, oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Jen required it. Um, but the because we actually talked about this exact thing, just the idea that that almost any religion that is portrayed in film. It's always going to be a it, there's because there's two th- well I guess you could say this with anything uh, any any form of belief there's what the thing actually is and then there's what people kind of think it is right and yeah. as long as you play what people think it is then you don't need to you know you don't need to get specific because you're just giving it's like all right voodoo what what do we got okay so we got some face paint got some like chicken bones voodoo doll. Do we need anything else? Uh, how about some <laughs> chanting? You know, yeah. And uh, and it's like, all right. Uh, at, and there's a scene in Mystic River. Uh, have you guys seen Mystic River? Where 
uh, it's it's you know take this one of the scenes that takes place uh, years ago, uh, and the kid is put in a in a in a car with uh, two guys in front, and he's kind of confused, doesn't really know what he's doing, and you see this kindly old man look back at him from the front seat, and you're like, huh, what exactly is going on? And then the old man like puts his hand on the back uh, on the seat, and you see that he's got a ring that has a cross on it, and you're like, I get it. Um, and it's just like, and in that moment, because I, I think that most directors and most Hollywood people, they recognize that like iconography, that's all you need. You don't, you need, all you need to do is pander to what people kind of think, or you pander more to what people don't know than what they do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that you've, you've got like a clear cut hit, but your work is then done for you and you don't have to get much more into it. Right. Right. Um, that makes sense. But uh, there, there actually is. Um, I, I love the movie The Apostle. Um, I'm sorry, I realize that we're still talking about uh, Christianity, but uh, that's not. It's, it's going to be. We are American. That's yeah. right. That's right. We, we, we are. Yeah. At least three of us are. Well, we got the agnostic, the atheist, and the Christian. I don't know what your deal is. Yeah. Well, um, I will say this is one of the things that we, I've ta- we talked about on our podcast, and since yeah. no one's heard it anywhere, I might as well say it again. Is that it's available on iTunes? It's yeah, there. I'm so I'm so glad. It, I still I'm still not sure whether to believe that. I don't <laughs> I don't have faith on that. Yeah, subject. it's hard to have faith. Yeah. Um, when people say. People will often talk about the day they chose to become a Christian and the blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I will often say because and I'm not the first person to make the observation. I just think it's something to think about. Well, where were you born and realize how much that affected your choice mm. and let it humble you to the question of whether or not you have found the real in quotes truth. Mm. Just remember that because, you know, my sister this is true, converted to Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I converted to Judaism. Mm-hmm. As a result, when we're together, Jimmy Carter has to be there. <laughs> um, but I always take the fact that she converted to Islam very seriously because that's a long journey from, you know, Montana to mm-hmm. Islam. <laughs> that just is. Yeah. And most people don't make that long a journey in their spiritual quest. So mm-hmm. that's just something I think is well, a significant thing to consider. It doesn't mean that your journey wasn't valid. It's just we should all be humble about our respective journeys. Mm-hmm. In a way, and you have to follow me on this road, but that brings me to another movie. Um, this idea of uh, of, of you um, finding your the religion that was right for you through research and careful consideration and the fact that... Uh, uh, any religion is a philosophy so much as it is uh what i don't know i don't want to say superstition but whatever <laughs> the other you know it's uh you, you know there there's a whole philosophy that goes with it which is why i'm i'm always annoyed by born again christians and people who sort of their story of how they became born again christian is really just some like oh some crazy fortuitous coincidence happened to you and uh you know and and even though it may have changed your life mm-hmm. uh that's not it is almost just like well you don't really you don't really mean it you know because mm-hmm. you're not it's not it, it, you know but anyway this brings me to the movie and it's a movie i really like but i'm annoyed by the portrayal of of god in it and that signs the uh you like signs that was your favorite movie of that year yeah I, I just said i really like this movie. okay all right uh but the end of the, the end of the movie i feel like if i were you know uh what's he supposed to be episcopalian i think i don't recall um 
It's the one that's not Catholic, but they still call him Father. Is that Episcopalian? Yeah, he wears the <laughs> collar. He wears the collar, but he was married. What is? What's that one? <laughs> it could be Episcopalian. Good question. Um, it's been a long time. But yeah. my comparative religion class. <laughs> Just the idea is that that God is a series of almost Rube Goldbergian coincidences. <laughs> is, I would be insulted by that if I. If I were the kind of person who should be insulted by that, and how do, how do you, those of you who are believers in a god, how do you feel about that movie? Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, it's a good. Movie. Yeah, um, it's not not my favorite of his films, but um, I liked it well enough. Um, it didn't really impact me, to be honest. It wasn't like it stayed with me very long. Uh-huh. I just fe- I wish I had more for you, but I did enjoy it, Tom. Um, I'm not sure I'm uh, addressing your question, but when you, when you were talking just now, you put into my head the um, the insane clown posse video that's going around on the internet right now. Miracles, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Where uh, anything that happens every day and has a ready explanation is by definition not a miracle. <laughs> right. Drafts. Giraffes aren't miracles. I know you can look at a giraffe and go, hey, how did that happen? That's pretty yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, also, giraffes are pretty crazy. Work? But you know what? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a lyric in the, in the <laughs> it song. Is, it is. It is. But hey, we have, we, we've got pretty reasonable explanations for giraffes. And mm-hmm. also, they happen every day. It's, by yeah. definition, it's not a Like childbirth, people say childbirth is a miracle. Now, some people, when they say that, are speaking poetically. They're talking about the experience mm-hmm. and how powerful it is. And I get it. It's a powerful experience. That's awesome. But it's not literally a miracle. It happens every day, thousands of times. And I know if you're a believer, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, and you believe that all of creation comes from God, then in a sense, God is in everything. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean there aren't um, more applicable explanations for Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. and things things that are readily observable and readily explainable you don't have to jump to god well now as we learn from pulp fiction (laughs) right a miracle can be uh turning coke to pepsi or finding my car keys um (laughs) anytime god gets involved in some way whether that means uh to i'm going with the pulp fiction it's very it's very very hard to say when is god involved Mm -hmm. but what i was what i was getting to with with signs is more about this this idea that god gave Mel Gibson's son asthma, so that he would survive the poison attack. That is, a, s- whole, yeah, that's uh, silly. That it, is it's, silly. It's sort of like looking at, like he's like, <laughs> it's like if when when Lost is over at the end of the season, it turns out they had a plan all along. It doesn't mean Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse are God. Yeah, <laughs> right. kinda, Well, so, you know, uh, if I can, I'll draw a comparison to somebody uh, uh, from real life, and and I do find that irritating. I see, I see what you're saying now. Um, I. A person I know was praying for their uh, they had a brother who had cancer, and unfortunately cancer took their life, and they prayed. And what they prayed for was that, that they, they wouldn't linger, that they'd die relatively painless. And they were like, see? And then my prayer was answered. And what I thought to myself, and I would never say this sure. in the middle of your suffering, was, no. What you would probably have preferred to pray for was that your uncle got better, mm-hmm. but you couldn't do that because you didn't believe it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you prayed for something that was likely, and you could call anything a miracle by that definition, and people do. It's the people who are like like, uh, like stoplight <laughs> believers who are like, oh, I got all the green lights, you know? But yeah. then if you, got the, you, if you got the red light, you're like, oh... God doesn't want me there yet. I mean, because it, 
That's kind it's of, not unlike when I was looking at my cat Charlie and I'm saying, Charlie, lay down. Look, see how obedient he is. <laughs> um, he's for those at home. Uh, he's laying down right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it, it is. It is frustrating. The uh, and I feel like to bring it back to movies, I, I do feel like it's that kind of because philosoph- you know, the, the philosophical side of any religion is. That's difficult to portray, and one could make the argument that to some audiences, it's boring to portray. And so you need to find, like, a physical event to say, like, and and signs is full of them. And you say, like, oh, look, see, look, look, proof, 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 proof. Um, And just like, yeah, but that's the idea of, the idea of faith is a certain, a certain absence of a kind of proof. And so I think that's the inherent flaw with 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 the ending of signs is it's trying to be like look at all this um and it's like yeah but that's that's not necessarily faith if it's all proof then any anybody would believe this right obviously and maybe it's just because i'm not into the faith part of it the Mm -hmm. philosophy part is always more interesting to me and i feel Mm -hmm. like if someone's choosing a religion they should choose based on the philosophy and not just which version of heaven do you want to believe you're going to go to I tell you the the film that actually it, it is it's more about philosophy than it is religion, but it does it does cover that as well. Uh, it's a film that when I watched it, because it was so unabashedly willing to take people in a direction that most film goers probably don't want to go, um, is uh, I Heart Huckabee's, uh, and I was I was exhilarated when I saw it because it's just like you Did don't you guys see it. I I have it now. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not for everyone. Uh, not to imply it's not for you guys. I think you guys would enjoy it. But it's uh, you know it's it's just this film of ideas, just people just talking about different ideas. Just uh, and I think uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, shoot, no, I don't remember who play Lily Tomlin uh, uh-huh. play this husband wife and they're existential detectives. And uh, and it's <laughs> so, so there's like a weird silly. Uh, aspect to it, but in the midst of it, there's you know some really interesting uh, debate going on and, and discussions going on in which people talk about the meaning of life and all that sort of thing, and they kind of and they kind of make room in it for a lot of different ideas. It's, except, of course, there is a Christian family in the film, and uh, the film does go out of their way, out of its way to condemn them. I think you got a chip on your shoulder because I don't see it that way. Really, I mean, if you look Mark at Mark Wahlberg is walking to their home and being a complete asshole. So they're kind of justified in being dicks to him. But I feel that way. I feel much like you do with Robert Altman in Nashville and uh-huh. Keith Carradine's character. I think that I think he is speaking for the director in that. But as our guests have not seen it, we can, you and I can talk about this. We can talk day. about Nashville, but that has nothing to do. With <laughs> speaking of meaning of life, I don't even know why I didn't think about this, but um, Monty Python. How do you talk about religion in films and not talk about Monty Python? Yeah, uh-huh. right. Um, I. Well, how do you feel as a, as a guy who's a uh, a confirmed Christian, mm-hmm. and and how it's do you been feel? Confirmed, about, yes. Yeah. <laughs> how do you um? How do you feel about? Because I love Life of Brian. I think is mm-hmm. is wickedly funny, but yeah. really unlike some, you know, because there's plenty of people willing, especially nowadays, to make their funny portrayal of Jesus. That's some. Um, that's not. Yeah, unique. yeah. But at the time, it was mm-hmm. uh, in the 70s when this came out. This was a big deal, actually. What do you think about that? Because personally. I love the Monty Python examination of religion. I think they do it very intelligently and in a very silly way sometimes, too. Are you asking about Life of Brian or Meaning of Life? We'll go Life of Brian first. Okay. Um, I actually like it quite a bit because here, just in general, I'm usually on board with any critique of, 
of not necessarily belief itself, but of believers, because any because it, a lot of the comedy from Life of Brian comes from how desperately these people uh, want to make this guy their their messiah, mm-hmm. and I and that's the thing is is I think it, it's a humorous take on the on on a very real need that people have, um, and and I think it's I I think it's a it kind of espouses a good attitude for people to have, which that's is Graham Chapman, right? Who plays yeah, yeah, Brian? he plays Brian, yeah. Okay, um, and and just to the way everybody responds to him, and no matter what he says, they still find a way to twist it around into yeah. like prophecy or or whatever the case may be, and uh, but like you say, like th- people disagree they have different interpretations of what he said because everybody wants to be able to claim it uh for themselves like no i understand him we all heard what he said but i understand him more than you do yeah uh, and that really is wonderful within yeah. a moment after he said it you've got the interpretations beginning right. which uh-huh. is how you feel like right and that's and to that's, me it's it's a really good it's this is a this is a very christian take on it it's a among other things it is a really really good uh, depiction of denominational disputes, uh, which I've gone, I've been a part of several denominations over the course of my life, and uh, it, it's astounding. Uh, there's actually in the in the Christian world, there's all these uh, perfectly clean jokes to that you you hear about where uh, a guy goes. Uh, there's one where a guy goes to heaven. And uh, and you know an angel is showing him around. In jokes, people are always showing people around heaven. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, and it shows like uh, a bunch of people and they're getting around and and uh, they're having a barbecue. And it's like, oh, those are the Baptists. They they love their you know potlucks and stuff. And I don't remember all of them, but they go around and then finally they get to. Um, I think it was Methodist, uh, but really it could almost be any of them. And they're just sitting quietly looking at each other. And he goes, well, who are they? He goes, shush, 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 shush. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> and and so it's like it's it's a denominational joke. Uh, right. But really the Methodist thing could be uh, you could replace that with Baptist or Lutheran or anything else. And just like the the seemingly minor bickering between denominations is one of the most frustrating things about being uh, about being a Christian. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think Life of Brian portrays that very yeah, you well. Can, you can make a case that Life of Brian, for as much controversy as it stirred up, isn't really blasphemous or heretical. No, it's, I don't think it's, it is, it's, no. it's, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it is either. And it's because Although people... Although Chapman was an atheist. Sure. Yeah. Well, Chapman was an atheist, but, but, um, but people get it in their heads that the movie is about jesus but it's not at all no, right it's really not yeah it's about it is about religion and belief and politics and the way that people get so wrapped up in their own the pursuit of their own and narrow agendas that they lose the bigger picture and and it also um uh they, they overlooked the fact that it was the movie was inspired by the fact that at the time that jesus was around he wasn't the only one doing right that, that yeah, was exactly uh, yeah. was very much in fashion at yeah. the time there were other guys and and and, and if if you're not inclined to believe in the divinity of Jesus, you could you could believe that. F- but for a quirk of fate, it could have been someone else. Well, honestly, uh, to get a little bit, well, esoteric, but there's a lot of people who would argue that John the Baptist very nearly was and got recast in the Bible. That John mm-hmm. the Baptist himself, uh, some people argue, was a, you know a guy who was saying prophecies and people thought might be the Messiah and that, uh, you know, things didn't go well for him because, of course, he died pretty 
soon into the yeah. story as far as the Bible goes. And I feel like the the last temptation of Christ kind of hints at that. Like when you're yeah. introduced, I haven't seen it in a while. But when you're introduced to to John the Baptist, he has he has his own group of followers. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, and you know, it, am I right, Tyler, about that? <laughs> you've seen, absolutely. You've seen Wait, Last what? Temptation more recently than I have. <laughs> yes. What what just happened? I went to the bathroom. Everybody, what's going on? I, I, I mean, <laughs> but when we, when we meet John the Baptist in Last Temptation of Christ, he's yeah. almost. He's got he's he's portrayed he has his own group of followers. He's yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's another I don't know, uh, another one of those there were a lot of them at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're all caught up now. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Um I like meaning of life as well, although I don't think that's nearly as deep. I just think it's yeah. got very important scenes of English women running down the street naked and that's <laughs> important. But it does have the part <laughs> Where they they go to heaven at the end of Meaning of Life? Yeah, now that's pretty wicked. I like mm-hmm. I love that scene, and I love his teeth. The, the, <laughs> honestly, the way they put that scene together, where he's just got the perfect televangelist look, yeah. and that's who's in heaven, mm. and they sing "It's Christmas in Heaven." Now that I love that song. Now that's a great song too. You think about that song, and it sort of th- seems like it's skewering religion, and then you think about it more, and you're like, no, it's kind of really it's about consumerism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even that is not really a big dig at God as much as it is a, a dig at people. Yeah, I think yeah. that whole that whole bit, starting with the, them having sort of in the English countryside, they're eating dinner and then they eat the bad fish and death yeah. takes them. That whole thing is so uh, is is so satirical of those kind of uh, just wealthy Western believers who just uh, I get the impression just uh, just believe because they want to go to heaven they don't want to die you know so they've mm-hmm. created this version of heaven for themselves and also like i like the i like the fact that you know and honestly in that scene of course one of the things there all these people are such pseudo intellectuals and that's <laughs> very entertaining and you know i i could certainly see myself as a guest at that table yeah is everybody <laughs> opining so deeply and really saying nothing I think that that's quite brilliant. That's actually, to be honest, one of my favorite Monty Python movies, which puts me in a minority because I know people prefer the other movies. But people I don't. Really I th- like Meaning of Life, Life is is my favorite Monty Python movie. Although I think that Holy Grail is the funniest movie ever made. So I, Holy um, Grail is great. You're right. With uh, what's interesting about that that scene and, and that portrayal of of heaven in uh, Meaning of Life, uh, and as you say, the the mixture of consumerism with the idea of heaven. Um, it really does seem to uh, denote something that. W- when did uh, Meaning of Life come out? Early 80, 80s or 84. late 70s? 84, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sounds about right. And it really. I, I guess at the time there was there was, there was was this going on, but I think there was much more. Could be 83. David, why don't you look that up? You'll be the host and intern. I have, I have a vague memory of being a kid and turning on the TV and Siskel and Ebert were on and I'm pretty sure they were reviewing that movie and I saw a clip of it and mm-hmm. like I didn't had I had no idea what was going on and it wouldn't yeah. be until like years later that I would see the movie and it was sort of the gears would sort of shift in my head and I'm like oh that's what that weird thing was <laughs> yeah it still doesn't make that much sense but uh, when you <laughs> see the whole thing and you're an adult but uh, but uh, you know years later like right now Okay, so I have another podcast called More Than One Lesson, and it is in the Christianity category of iTunes. Uh, I have not cracked the top 200 yet with my meager following, but if you actually look... Nominated uh, for a podcast award. What was that? You it was nominated, nominated for, for a podcast award. You'd think that that would help, but it didn't, <laughs> which should speak volumes about the podcast awards. Um, but the uh, the number one uh, po- uh, Christian podcast, or at least it's 
it's usually number one. It it but it's almost always in the top ten. Um, is uh, eighty three? Okay. Is uh, thanks, David. Um, is uh, Joel, the Joel Osteen podcast, and uh, and he's he's a very uh, uh, health and wealth. Uh, they call it a health and wealth kind of kind of Christian, where it's it's all about like. God blessing you. Oh, if you just ask God, if you just say the right things, then he will bless you. And it's like, well, that's, I don't know if I like the idea of saying the right things in order so that God can bless you. Cause that means that if you don't, God is somehow limited and, and it's just, and also it just, it's like, but what about if things go bad? Are you just, does that mean you're just not doing things and honestly, right? You just turned it into an OCD religion, which it is <laughs> a lot for a lot of people. It really is that anyway. Yeah. I mean, religion in general Oh man, religion is such a good place for the OCD to go <laughs> because it especially like I guess Catholicism getting back to that. I mean, rubbing the beads and I don't know what mm-hmm. all some of that means, but the rosary beads, but yeah, it's, that all seems pretty it's, obsessive. It's a uh, it's it's a form of prayer. Yeah. There, there yeah. are prayers associated with each of the beads. And yeah, and you do this set of things and yeah. Ugh. But it's yeah. the like with with Osteen and, and actually there's a, there's been some books published like in the last 10 years where it's like reli- religion is more of a means to an end as opposed to like, it's rather than like a way to commune with God. It's using God to get what you want. Right. And I feel like that that scene in Meaning of Life really uh, kind of I don't know if it predates this this modern Christian movement, but it certainly is a, a nice precursor yeah, to the that. Pythons were are, were very bright fellows, that's yeah. for sure. They're all very educated and mm-hmm. and very opinionated, and it comes across in a very good way in their films, as far as being able to make a film you could enjoy. Yeah, and that would make you think. I, you know, I were just those are the kind of films that stick with me. The, the films that stick with me for religion are the ones that actually make me think. Mm-hmm. Where I go, uh, did you guys like Dogma? Who liked Dogma? Uh, not particularly. I liked it at the time, but I, uh, yeah, it doesn't hold up. I think I I like it, but I'm conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. And how are you conflicted? Well, because I think uh, I haven't. Uh, it's I haven't really um, made a study of it, but my my feeling after seeing it was that the the theology of it is actually kind of muddled. Mm-hmm. And also after I. Like I saw it when it came out, and then a couple of years later, I discovered the Preacher comic book series and realized just how derivative Dogma Dogma was, <laughs> inspired by Preacher. For me, I, I think it's 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 one of those things where, and if you were about to say that you like Dogma, I apologize if this comes off as insulting to you. Hey, well, um, hey I'm here. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess anything I could say would pale in comparison to the show that you uh, appear on every week. Um, <laughs> but the. Uh, it's it's a film that really it's a I compare it to Fight Club where philosophically it threw out things where I was at the right age where I was at the perfect I, I was I was the perfect audience to be like wow this blows my mind and then and then you're just like oh wait no this is people have been saying what? this kind of thing for a long time you know what's yeah. funny about that I mm-hmm. think I was at the perfect age to be able to continue enjoying the film because mm-hmm. it didn't blow my mind so I wasn't set up to later be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because I found that I liked the questions it was asking, and even if, I think, Tom, you're right, that it is a little muddy. It's definitely a yeah, little muddy. because I, I, the central, I mean, this, the central uh, take-home message that Smith wants you to take, obviously, yeah. is that, you know, uh, may, just be a little more open about these things, you know? Uh, yeah. And it's, a, it's about, it's, a, it, 
it's not about narrowly following a list of rules. It's about trying to expand your own mind and your own heart and your own soul or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Something close to that. Right. Um, where he says it's 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 you know I've got an I I, I don't know if I believe but I've got an idea mm-hmm. you know or he um, but. And and it and Catholicism is right is ripe for exploring that because it is very dogmatic religion. Mm-hmm. But in the but ironically, other parts of the movie end up kind of saying that the dogma matters because mm-hmm. it's because these the Catholic Church has set up these rules that the angels yeah. are trying to exploit that creation is about to be re- destroyed. Oh, yeah. you know uh, what though, I yeah. like that because I think that but it works against it works against what seems to be the message of the movie. Well, because but the they, way they that do I kind of explain it that, and I can't remember, but it, even though the dogma isn't necessarily what God wanted, because the Catholic Church said it was true, it had to be true. I haven't seen it in so long, right? That, that no. I, I right, can't because because the idea that. is that 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 God invested uh, a, a religious authority in in the Catholic Church, and right. mm-hmm. so that when the Church creates these rules, these rules have uh, a meaning for existence, right. mm-hmm. and then when these angels are going to use uh, a, a loophole in 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 Catholic tradition to get back into heaven against God's decree that that's going to like create a paradox that's going to destroy See maybe creation. I'm giving the movie too much credit but I I liked that because I thought to a degree that was more just a part of the plot that that kind of illustrates the absurdity of the dogma itself except except it's given the weight that this is actually going to happen if we don't stop Right these within angels, the story it is you're if right. If we don't stop these angels creation's going to be undone and we consider that a bad thing which is saying but but uh, I mean that's giving the message that it all ma- that it, the dogma actually matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, God. Okay. God yeah, I see what you're saying. God gives it weight, and so we should as well. But we're being told that we shouldn't. Um, yeah, yeah, I see what you. I mean. think it's one of the better portrayals of God, though. I like Atlantis. <laughs> I really do. I do. I find that very charming. I, I enjoy the movie. I find it very yeah. entertaining, and there's mm-hmm. performances in it I like. But I but I think I I feel that Smith had a, a religious message he wanted to get across and i feel that the movie works against itself yeah. in that regard speaking of god in movies and this is not on my list this is okay. why this is why this is such a, a healthy ripe thing this is not even on my list but here's a movie that at the time people probably thought was christian okay but if you think about it is not really christian and is a wonderful movie john denver george burns oh god <laughs> i i've never seen it actually seen you should treat yourself to that movie because yeah. it is so good it is such a good movie george burns was like brilliant casting because he's just a charming actor and and he yeah. was he was at the right age to play god was always the joke but he really did he really did offer a quiet gentleness to it and the movie seems Christian only because everyone's speaking English and it takes place in America, but it's yeah. really not because it's between God and um, this grocer. And God says it's basically the premise of the movie is that God shows up to a grocery store clerk and says, I have something to tell people and I want you to tell them. Yeah. And he's like, why are you coming to me? And then you, th- you think about it in a very sweet and gentle way. His, Conflict mirrors Moses's conflict. Yeah, it's or a, Jeremiah, or why, any of those. Why? Yeah. Why are you picking on me? And uh, it goes to trial. And one of the things they do is they give him questions he has to ask God in all these different languages that he would never know. But one of the questions is: Is Jesus your son? Mm-hmm. Oh, is Jesus the son of God? And he goes, "Tell you what, tell them. Yes, Jesus is my son. Muhammad is my son. Mm-hmm. Moses is my son. You're my son." Mm-hmm. 
and and you when I think about it, I guess at the time it's not really a Christian movie. No, it's not no. anti-Christian. Yeah, it's certainly not anti-Christian. But I suggest anybody going back and renting that, and it's a very sweet, thoughtful film. And it's uh, being there. I haven't seen that one either. Everyone says I love it. And I'm uh, sure I will. Yeah. Well, being there, Jesus is in that movie. You just don't uh, don't find out till later. Spoilers. Yeah. Well, um. please, you should watch it. You know. <laughs> you know what's a, I think a great portrayal of oh god, god book two by the way <laughs> Brr, not a good film that, that was a thumbs down I think. yeah yeah um also a, like a whale mating call i think yeah the whales <laughs> did not care for it uh a, one of my favorite portrayals of god although he's not referred to such in the movie is in at the end of time bandits <laughs> <laughs> who is it ralph ralph richardson is that the yeah yeah name? uh shows up and just he's very authoritative and it's very much like uh, it's you get the impression that the the whole God and devil thing is about the battle between good and evil, and all the sort of stuff we've made up for it about our, about uh, about it is not really important. Because like mm-hmm. the, I think he asks like he's like okay, you can ask me questions. Like why do I you know why, why do good things happen to bad people? He's like oh, I don't know. I, I believe that has something to do with free will. <laughs> <laughs> like, it yeah. doesn't even like it's not important. What's oh, important to him just, is that evil was defeated here. That's yeah, funny. That's a good movie to remember because that really is a fun film. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it and it's got and that movie does a nice thing too as far as if you want to see faith depicted is the kid who's the hero in the end he's left with nothing uh-huh. and you know I like that I like that the kid had, the kid did everything right and he's left with nothing because faith and all those things you still might be left with nothing <laughs> and whatever your reasons are for believing or not believing. You know, you are no more or less likely to be screwed as anybody else who has the unfortunate uh, situation of being born on this stupid planet. You're just <laughs> as likely as anybody else to be lucky or unlucky, and that's a great... It rains on the just and the unjust alike. Absolutely. <laughs> my, my gracious. That, that's really funny. That's Terry Gilliam? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, back and, to uh, yeah. David Warner, I think, is the name of the actor who plays yeah. Satan, but he's not referred to as Satan. He's yeah. Boy, evil. that might be that might that might be the first film that blew my mind at the age hmm. when I went to see it because that grim ending I was not expecting <laughs> as a kid, and certainly in a movie that seemed to be aimed at me. Yeah, yeah, it seemed to be for kids. Yeah, huh? What? <laughs> that was pretty great. Did you ever see that? I did. I but I haven't seen it since I was very young. Um, and I think I saw it on, I don't know if it was on video, because I remember seeing it at my house. Um, I think it was around Christmas, because I was playing with Castle Grayskull, <laughs> which was new. I was playing with Castle Grayskull, oh and Time Bandits was on TV. And I, I, and I, 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 I keep thinking I need to go back and rewatch this movie, because parts of it just kind of haunt the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, have, I honestly have not seen it as an adult. I would like to. I bet, yeah, I bet you'd enjoy the hell out of it if you haven't seen I think it I properly. Would, yeah, absolutely. it's also it's one of the first things I bought when I first got a DVD player. That's that right. I really, really wanted to see, like, because it was on Criterion. Yeah. I wanted to see it in widescreen. You want to know? Here's a movie. Here's a silly movie that was actually very impactful to me because of when I saw it in relation to my exploring Judaism. Was it Dear God with Greg Kinnear? <laughs> no. Should it be? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> Prince of Egypt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that movie. I think and there's people who complain about how well, I don't know if they complain about it, but the the critiques of the movie are are how closely does it hue to the um, story in Exodus. But I think it's 
for a cartoon it goes close enough. It it hues closer than the uh the made for the NBC made for TV Noah's Ark yeah. with uh John Voigt which just like huh. It, it, like that that, of, that offended that. me on every level where like as somebody who enjoys movies somebody who doesn't like john voight uh somebody who is a christian like it's just like oh jeez, this thing was this thing had to because it, it fascinates me whenever uh, i guess we got to wrap up soon but like uh, it fascinates me whenever like hollywood wants to do something mainstream that is also religious uh, specifically like either, you know, something biblical, you know, yeah. like a biblical epic or whatever. Um, and because, you know, living out here, I've, I've, in, uh, I've, I've encountered quite a bit of contempt for the Bible, but I think they still quite cynically realize that it sells. And so they're like, all right, we'll do this and we'll get a lot of ratings out of it, but we don't really want to adapt the Bible. And then you wind up with that Noah's Ark, which is an absolute travesty in every possible way. Well, no, I don't want to. You still wrapping up. I don't want to end this episode without getting our guest take on the Passion of the Christ. Okay, you and I have talked about it on the show enough. Yeah. So I really want to know what you guys think of of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Uh, go ahead. Uh, well, I I think I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it is a little anti-Semitic. Mm. That yeah. is a fair thing, and I understand people who say that it's not because some of some people like to argue that, well. All the debates are pretty well worn, but when I look at that movie and I and and I see the uh, specific way the devil seems to only be influencing the Jews, he's not influencing the Romans. Mm-hmm. When I see that depiction, I say, well, at the point when you claimed that this was just a, a telling of the story of the Passion, no, it's not, because mm-hmm. that's not the new testament it's not right so that is anti-semitic that part you want to depict as brutal a whipping as you want to depict i got no problem with that i have no problem with that the problem i have really is that at the end of the day if you're a christian you must believe a couple things about the crucifixion one it was necessary Mm. that if the crucifixion doesn't happen we're all boned. Uh-huh. If you believe in Christianity, that's what you've got to believe, that without that sacrifice, we're jacked. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually appreciate the depiction of um, Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, as stupid as that thing is. <laughs> At least in that thing, they depict mm-hmm. him as a soldier, more or less doing his duty. And that's not the only story where he's been depicted that way. Again, Last Temptation. Last Temptation, right. as well as uh, a play directed by friend of the show Mike Vanderweiss, in which I played Judas, nice. and it was much the same. The only sensible understanding of Judas is that he's doing his job mm-hmm. if you believe that Jesus needed to sacrifice himself. I can understand thinking Jesus should have known. It's too bad he had to do that, but that's God's plan. That wasn't your hook-nosed evil Jews, and it... And it and at the very least, the Romans were at least a little more complicit because they had the fucking spears. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's my take on the film. And I, having not seen it, um, but just observing from the outside, um, it, it, and I, I know it is the passion of the Christ. It's mm-hmm. the story of of this terrible ordeal Christ went through leading up to his death. But I've always thought, even even growing up Catholic, I've always thought that the fixation on the passion mm-hmm. 
you're fixating on the wrong part of the story because the part I mean yes it's it's moving that he went through all that and then he died but the important part is that he rose again right right but this That's, is where that whole Catholic guilt thing com- comes and they want right. to pound it into you like this is what this person went through for you they want to pound yeah, it into you a like very, a nail through a it's hand. a very exactly. <laughs> it's an unhealthy fixation I have memories of sitting in churches as a kid and and looking up at a giant crucifix on a wall with a life-size mm-hmm. Jesus with blood painted at on it. At least life-size. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, like, blood wounds painted on uh-huh. it. And I'm, like, seven or eight going, this is not healthy. This yeah. is yeah. weird. This is something we t- talked about a couple months ago on the show about, uh, and you'll probably relate, growing up Catholic, it's not just the crucifix, but all the saints are depicted like like St. Catherine being broken on the wheel or, or you yeah. know, the saint with a, a million arrows. Yeah. Yeah. The is weird medie- medievalist, like, yeah. macabre streak in yeah. Catholicism. It's like you're fixating on the wrong part. It's, very, it's very moving that people suffered for their faith, but the part you sh- you're supposed to be focusing on is why they did that and what the reward for that is. Yeah, and the, the film does, uh, it does in the last... Ten seconds show him getting up, uh, and and yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, and it's you know I I do like the musical score. It's it's this big. It's very big, like epic, momentous music as it should be. Um, But then then it's over. You know what it reminds me of? This is a dumb analogy, but it's it's funny to me. It, It would be like if you were taking a clip of like WrestleMania. And and you you just cut it off at the part where Hulk Hogan is beat up and laying on the mat and stop there. And you don't get the part where he gets up and listens to the crowd and gets the shakes and wins. If you don't you don't get Hulk rebounding. You just stop when yeah. he just when he's they, laying on the mat. Do they refer the to that as the shakes? Yeah, I don't know what. Oh, I'm okay. Sure I'm sure wrestling fans are very very. When they, are they, you going to direct specific. Passion of the Hogan? Yeah. But but. I, it, it, it's kind of like that. It's like you're, you're not telling the full story. A friend of mine who uh, used to be very religious, and one he was very religious. He went all he went a way different way now. But mm-hmm. he used to say that in the difference between uh, because he was uh, Baptist. He said the difference between Baptists and Catholics is uh, we both believe Christ was crucified. It's just Catholics think he's still up there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's my take on that movie. I don't, I don't, I think he probably didn't mean to be anti-Semitic. I think he is, but I don't think he wants to be. My take on Mel Gibson, the person, which I don't think in this case, it's, I don't think you can separate the two. Right. Because I think he's so in his art. But my take, just seeing him suffer publicly the way that he does is that he's got some demons. I don't think... He means to be anti-Semitic. I don't think he wants to be anti-Semitic. Yeah. I think just like we all have our own demons to to deal with whatever those may be, his happens to be a struggle with Jews mm-hmm. that some Christians from certain backgrounds and from certain Catholic backgrounds specifically do sometimes struggle. I mean, this current pope, I've said before, seems to me to be a little retro in his view of Jews. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't disrespect that because I understand we struggle, but I think I think it's in him and that's why it's in the film. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't think that's all there is to the film. Yeah, yeah. And I know people get a lot out of it, but just off topic, but did you guys see Apocalypto? No. 
No. It's okay. pretty great. On this on this show, it made my list of the top ten films He's of the last decade. He's a good decade. director, and and his passion as a human being mm-hmm. and a director comes through in what he does, and yeah. it makes for good entertainment. I have one more movie to mention after okay. I'm okay. done with that. Do we have time? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll go way down on my list to something that's also not Christian that I, I really loved, and I don't know how you guys feel about it. Who uh, who else liked What Dreams May Come? <laughs> I... I didn't really. I, I I liked it, of course, visually, um, but yeah, uh, uh, and I don't remember a lot of the philosophy behind it. So I'll a let lot you of the fill that in. one of the things that it said, which I found very popular, was not very popular. I didn't mean to say it that way. Uh, that I, it was popular with me. I know that. Um, um, I'll tell you something. I keep miss. Speaking, you know, I'll tell you this after the podcast. Right. I don't want to say this publicly. Um, <laughs> um, one thing that really struck me as very interesting was that in this, there is no hell except for the one that you put yourself in. Mm-hmm. Was interesting the way that they did that. I found the whole notion of whatever the afterworld is is determined by the weight of your own goodness and your own badness. And I found the idea that, that in even in heaven, you will still be resolving things. You'll Mm -hmm. just be better equipped to resolve them. Interesting. And as a philosophy, a lot of it made sense. I'm not saying that I thought that it was true, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was internally consistent in that. And then I'm a bit of a romantic Mm -hmm. in general. And the notion that, his his love for his wife and that love in, de- in general transcends physical boundaries. While I may not believe that to be literally true, philosophically, it's a very charming notion. And I really mm-hmm. like the movie. Have you uh, I, now that you now that you uh, mentioned the, the the depiction of hell that I think is what struck me the most, uh, because when he's there. Uh, the pe- like the people that are like you know stuck in the floor whatever whatever the the imagery was I don't quite recall right faces um, in the floor and they're all talking but the stuff that they're saying they're saying like justifications for their own for their own behavior like they right. haven't come to they haven't yet accepted the fact that they have done wrong things which I think I think anybody would tell you is the first step towards doing the right thing um, they just keep. Ju- trying to justify themselves, and it's actually very similar to step um, one is admitting that you are a face on the floor. Exactly. Jeez, <laughs> uh, you remember that great Andy Griffith film? Um, <laughs> but that's uh, a face in the crowd joke, by the way. Um, I'm with you. There was a. Uh, did you ever read uh, the C.S. Lewis book, The Great Divorce? No. It is. Uh, I I like C.S. I like C.S. Uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, like philosophy. Um, and uh, I haven't read any of his Narnia books, which of course are his most popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I love Screw Tape Letters. Funnily enough, yeah, in the last book of I think it's called The Great Battle, mm-hmm. there's some characters who are in hell, mm-hmm. and they're more or less only in hell because they refuse to see where they really are. Yeah, and Great Divorce. It's basically about uh, the the care the you you come to discover that it's it, the divorce is between heaven and hell, and and. And you come to realize that the people that are in hell are there of their own choosing because they just they have things that they cannot let go of that are, that are keeping them there. They're not burning. They're not uh, in a lake of fire. They're literally just just miserable. 
Right. Like it, miserable in the way that people are miserable in life. But and and hell is literally just an extension of that. And their inability to let that go uh, is uh, is is what's keeping them in hell. And in some cases, like uh, and they are actually faced with the possibility of getting into heaven, provided they let this thing go. And there's a like a woman whose son has died and she lived for her son. And then when he died, she lived uh, you know, his death was, she mourned and in doing so she made everybody else mourn with her and kind of made everybody else's life miserable and always played this kind of martyr role. Sure. And so she's, she, uh, comes to not necessarily the gates of heaven, but like a kind of this in between place. Uh, foyer. there you go. <laughs> exactly. <The foyer>. Um, <laughs> And so, uh, so she's there, and and she's like, "Is my son in heaven? I, I want to get in there. I need to get in there." And it's like, you will as soon as you recognize that that's not why you should be in there. Like, the minute you drop that, you will get your son and so much more. But that can't be enough. You know, you're missing the point. And she's just she so obsesses about it that she's unwilling to to drop that idea. It's yeah. a really fascinating book, and and I heard that somebody's going to make a movie out of it. But like, there's so much just dialogue and and philosophy that I don't see. I, I could see a lot of what makes the book compelling uh, yeah. taken out. Right? Yeah, I could see somebody making a good movie based on that in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> a little problem. So you did not like what dreams may come. Uh, no, but I, I I saw it in the theater. I haven't seen it since, so I don't really feel yeah. well equipped. I think I just didn't like Cuba Gooding Jr. Your little like your 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 mildly amused chuckle. It always sounds like the most condescending thing. No, I'm, I know I'm it's amused, not your yeah. fault. Yeah. But it's just nah. Yeah, you're funny. <laughs> I'm I'm leaving, guys. I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. Click. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, did you see what dreams may come? Yeah, I did. I did. Um. I've never been quite sure what to think of it. And I think there's something, I'm not sure, I may be misremembering it, but something that bothered me about it um, is when he was by the bedsides wearing the funny nose, different movie. Like <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Yeah, no, then it's great. Um, <laughs> it seemed to me like that that the wife was mentally ill, like clinically depressed or something, mm-hmm. and 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 was being punished for not oh. having the facility to help herself. That that's bringing a lot back. That's exactly why I didn't like it. I think because mm-hmm. only a few years before I'd had a friend who killed himself, you know, and I didn't like the sort of yeah. blaming. Interesting because I if it was if the suicide was fresh in your mind, um my you know, when I was a young young lad, my brother committed suicide. Uh-huh. I found that I don't I'm not saying you're wrong cuz you're so not wrong. That's such a good point. The way it struck me when I watched the thing was I thought, again, the tragedy of it was that she was in a hell of her own making. She, In my mind, she wasn't being punished. She was punishing herself. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was right. so but, resonant. But, there, but the cosmology of that universe was apparently, even after her death, not willing to give her a helping hand. Yes, you're right about that. It oh. seemed like the, yeah, she was in a hell of her own making, but not a hell of her fault. You know, that's a... Oh, goodness, Tom. That's really smart. <laughs> no, it really is. That <laughs> this this is you, laugh. That's why um, he's your co-host. <laughs> um, my goodness, that's great. Um, when I... I'll say this then in its defense, but man, that's a really good point. I may just watch it again with that idea just because I really love the movie. But in the movie, she does get help. 
And everybody within the movie constantly tells you, um, yeah, once you're in there, you can't get out. Mm-hmm. Once you get in there, you can't get out. And yet, Robin Williams' character goes in and ma- basically makes a Hail Mary last-ditch effort to rescue her. And to me, it said, yeah, all of these people, including the people in heaven, have preconceived notions that are not true Mm. and that everybody needs to let go of their preconceived notions because her ability to finally get out of there was giving up the preconceived notion that there was no way she could get out of there. Because if you remember the resolution, Mm -hmm. she does, in fact, get a second shot. Right. But it's through the extraordinary efforts of an individual kind of working against what we perceive to be the system. True. But, but, and it seems to me, it seems to me like, like the, the, it's not set up. It it seems to me an extraordinary case. Right. And I'm like, well, okay, if this hadn't, if, if Robin Williams hadn't been so willing to fight for her, what would have happened to her? She would have been miserable for eternity for having a chemical imbalance. That doesn't seem fair. And lamenting the loss of her children, because really that was the trigger, right? Loss. Of yeah, her I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember uh, there was there's a, an exchange between Robin Williams and Cuba Gooding Jr. when they're uh, in in heaven. Uh, in which case, uh, in which uh, Robin Williams he says something. He asks like where God is or or whatever, and. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. says, like, oh, he's up there somewhere shouting down that he loves us, wondering why we can't hear him. And I'm just like, what the hell? I thought this was heaven. <laughs> like, what? Like, how involved is this? I is like this guy? that. Now, if, if, if it's the case that we're to take it that that universe is not entirely fair, then I guess I can buy it more. But I'm, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was supposed to believe that. Right. And I feel like maybe it's one of those things, like, the, the reason that I brought that up was that I wonder if, like, in the universe of the film, like, maybe God was, isn't, in, certainly seems to not be involved, uh, and the idea of, like, like fairness, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the idea that, that, like, on this earth, uh, crap happens and, you know, that's the way it goes, and it seems to extend into uh, the afterlife. Well, it definitely has a philosophy that says... Um, and maybe this is a bit more Buddhist. I'm not sure. I'm not as up on anything that isn't me. But um, <laughs> it seems to me that whatever truth you create for yourself with your free will here extends and then continues that, yeah, that your struggles here, the things that you didn't resolve here carry over into your afterlife which is certainly not something the film made up as a, as a philosophical right theory and truth and uh and it was very resonant for me it was very resonant for me that you know you you one way or another you're going to at some point have to really look in the mirror and and honestly the impression i got Tommy makes such a good point but the impression i got was that the only reason she was trapped was because she believed she was trapped and something and your and something had to happen and in this case yes something extraordinary had to happen to free her from her shackles but theoretically she could have freed him from herself freed herself at any time she just had to be willing to do that mm-hmm. and it seems like i guess the idea is that in your in the physical world you have your physical self and your internal self and then in the afterlife all you have is your internal self mm-hmm. Manifest. 
Well, and on that note, <laughs> yeah, on that note, <laughs> it occurred to me I never actually got to talk about the apostle. But you know what? It's fine. I'll sure. save it for another day. Yeah, and we profile the career of Robert Duvall. Someday. We certainly will. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll just keep putting off FW Humor now because we keep oh, not watching. Oh, sorry, everybody. Oh, is anyway, it? Was it? Okay. That's that's an inside joke here. Yeah. <laughs> that's not for the guests. But um, um, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank fun. you for yeah. having us. Um, where can people find you on the on the internet? Well, the best place would be uh, thekingoftv.com or the Paul Goebel Show Twitter. It's just the Paul Goebel Show, right, on Twitter? Yes, the Paul Goebel Show. The Paul Goebel Show. The yep. Paul Goebel Show. Um, like I said, Tom and I are on there every week and, of course, got the big... And I, I, I tweet on Paul's uh-huh. Twitter feed occasionally. So. And I don't. Um, <laughs> you certainly can see me. Um, uh, you know, you can friend me on Facebook, of course, Jammy Bryce, or just look up Jim Bruce. Mm-hmm. And you can see me doing stand-up and talking about my brother's... Suicide on YouTube. <laughs> it's actually really funny. I'm sure my brother would appreciate it. And then you, uh, you had a, a one. I, I unfortunately did not get to see it, but you did have like a like a one man show. I did. Uh, and what was that called again? It was cancer, suicide, and bus accidents. All right. Um, are you going to be doing that uh, again anytime soon? I will. I okay. will indeed be doing it when I find the proper venue. So thank you for bringing okay. that up. That's All really right. kind. Um, Meltdown Comics. Meltdown <laughs> they will accommodate you with seemingly anything. <laughs> you should so, do it. Right. Yeah. You should do it. Um, and then, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, and then David was recently on uh, the Criterion cast talking uh-huh. about Walkabout. And it's I did listen to it. It's a very good episode. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be on this Saturday. Uh, I think it'll probably go up next week talking about much, uh, much the same what we were talking about here. I'll be talking about The Last Temptation of Christ. Okay. So other than that... Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com or in uh, iTunes. Search for Battleship Retention. Subscribe. Leave us a review if you don't. If you haven't, it's a nice a, review, please. Uh, whatever doesn't matter to me. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com/slash/thepretension, and Tyler is at twitter.com/slash/morelessons, which is the official Twitter feed of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find in iTunes or at morethanonelesson.com. You can find my other podcast previously on, which is a television uh, podcast. Uh, at, uh, in iTunes under previously on. Yes. So, donate. Yeah. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.